Empire of the Sun. Suns. Empire of the Suns. Wet like on book. Wet like on book. Wet like on book. Arizona Sports presents the Empire of the Suns podcast. Empire of the Suns. Hello there, and welcome to the Empire of the Suns podcast. My name is Kellen Olson, joined as always by Kevin Zimmerman. I can see your face, not virtually. Hello. Pandemic's over again. Yay, round three. Let's see if there's not a round four and we knocked him out in three. Let's knock on everything within sight. I'll knock, that's like metal. This is a plastic water bottle I'm going to knock into for some ASMR. All right. <laughs> so, pal, uh, we'll just get right into it. The Phoenix Suns are one and two coming out of the All-Star break. They had a really messy, they have a really messy part of the schedule, which is what I talked about last week on the podcast I wrote about. And this is not an I told you so campaign, pal, but this is why this is why I talked about it, because um, it's, it's a weird little deal that they had to do. So everyone goes away to wherever they went. I think that... Um, JaVale McGee was somewhere around Belize. I think I like looked up where he he like geotagged on Instagram, and it was it was somewhere around there. Um, so everyone like goes around and gets their All Star break break as anyone should when they have time off from work. They come back to Phoenix whenever it is like Tuesday, Wednesday. Uh, so like guys like Book, for example, Monty went to his uh, place in Texas for a couple of days. Then they come back to Phoenix to fly to Oklahoma City. Then they fly back from Oklahoma City after playing a game to play a game in Phoenix the next night. And then they get a day-ish. And then they play in the afternoon on Sunday against a really good jazz team. It's a weird part in the schedule that didn't really allow for them to practice much. They got one in, I believe, from what what I know, um, which was in OKC on Wednesday. They're playing without Chris Paul. This is a work in progress. And the way that we talk on this podcast, Kevin, is often predicated by how the fans are feeling because I think that's how we should always discuss things is based on what the conversation point is. Yeah. We're going to quickly brush aside that today, though, because a lot of fans are acting like the sky is falling. It is not falling. Uh, This is a guy who got called Chicken Little on an iTunes review <laughs> for saying the sky is falling all the times when the suns were terrible and the sky was indeed falling. But I am here not to be chicken little today. The sky is not falling. It's not. This is the sun's third losing streak of the year, Kevin. They've lost two in a row. They have yet to lose three in a row. And guess what? They might lose three in a row, Kevin. They might lose five in a row. I had a couple people reply to our podcast when I said that uh, the other week and talked about the Warriors lead. And I was like, well, if the suns lose five in a row, and people were like, they're not going to lose five in a row. I was like, I don't, we don't know. We haven't seen this before. So to that point, their first losing streak that didn't include a buzzer beater or losing on a last second shot. Jaw was with .5 seconds left. Harrison Barnes was at the buzzer. Those were the two losing streaks, the two second games of the losing streak. There's a lot to get to, and it's all pretty fascinating because we're just watching a team play completely different, but at the same time, they are playing the same way, but just in a different way. I have honestly been kind of impressed with how they've played, and people are going to think I'm crazy. Uh, But what do you think? I think that they've played pretty well uh, considering the circumstances, which we teased last week. Like, I didn't think campaign was going to play just based on the way that he talked. He has not played yet, but I will say he got a really – I hate to, like, tweet something and say it looks like campaign is ramping up because then everyone's like, he's ramping up. He's back on Wednesday. He's back on Friday, and people freak out. 
he worked out for like over a half an hour on the court when I was out there, and he probably was going before that even more. So it does look like he's working towards a return either Wednesday or Friday. Uh, we'll talk to Monty hopefully tomorrow at a practice, I assume, on Tuesday. So he's been out, and, and that is something to consider and factor into our conversation. But to go back to what I was saying, Kevin, I don't know about you, but I think they've been playing pretty well considering everything going on. What they shoot? 51% against the Jazz team that, like, I, I don't think they're... I don't know if they're in the top 10, but they're really close to the top 10 in defensive rating. They might be after last night. I don't know. Yeah. Um, Pelicans are a 500 team since their disastrous start. They're like 22 and 20 in their last 42, CJ I think has, I saw. CJ has been really good for An them. An all-NBA caliber player since he since got there. Since he got yeah. there. Yeah. Um, I I think the the if you say there's cracks in their armor or whatever, it's in like book being overused which we talked about last podcast and deandre ayton maybe being overused and and not even overused maybe that's not the right word maybe it's overextended where are we seeing those guys at their best defensive potential because i think when we get into this discussion we'll touch on maybe holes in their defense things that we haven't liked there the offense has been great and book's been carrying a lot more weight I thought he's been playing relatively pretty well. Shot selection after that first game, maybe not 100% to your liking. He's forced some things more. But, like, they don't have a second dribble guy. No. They're not playing Alfred Payton, even. They don't want to put too much on Aaron Holiday. No. So when they're basically breaking, like, break if needed, whatever, the glass of literally their power forwards are initiating offense just to take a little bit off book. That's where they're at. And, it's and then Utah, well. Jay Crowder got the outlet in the fourth quarter and was bringing it up. And then Royce O'Neal was like, oh, no, you don't. And then he was like, oh, crap, here, Cam. And then Cam had to do it. And Cam's been doing it time to time as well. But it's like, what if those guys get pressed now? Like, what do they do? So um, I think that goes into part of what something Gambo was saying at the start of the season when he was giving us crap or predicting 60 wins is that they're going to become the hunted. And in that case, you can't sit here and realistically say a team is going to full-court press you the entire night, but against this team, against the best team in the league, teams might just full-court press you, or at least full-court press is one of those things you hear people say, and you just expect this like crazy, hectic thing where everyone's running around. Not no, college, it, yeah. It's not that in the NBA at all. You just stay on the guy. Maybe you're swiping at it every now and then if you're Patrick Beverly or Drew Holiday or anyone like that, but you're just mostly just keeping your body there so they have to work a little bit longer. And then most importantly, they cross the half-court line with 17 seconds left, and that is already seven seconds or less out the window (laughs) to to bring it around full circle. How about that? The offense has been pretty good. Uh, What I did this morning, I was curious because what I expected was a lot more of the off-ball stuff that Mikel would go through to get into his zones, and I thought that was going to be a little bit for Cam and a little bit for Jay, too. At least in the field goals that they made. I went through and watched all the shots that they've hit in the last three games. That hasn't really been the case. Most of it, I'm basically, I basically looked for, okay, how many of you got a field goal when it wasn't Book having to do dribble stuff? And I'm talking even if Book is standing there dribbling like Chris Paul would and Mikel does the elbow screen mm-hmm. thing and then they pass it to him. Like I'm counting those. I would say it was like five or six baskets total out of like the 25 or 30, and you're shaking your head. That is That can't happen. Yeah. That is where he is going to wear down quickly and fast, and I think part of what you and I were talking about last week is like, they're smart. They have numbers. They know what this is going to do. They've talked about what this is going to do when they didn't do it in the past. So what's the dig here? Our, our friend David 
overseas Australian correspondent, as we refer him to, has been tweeting about, and he has the eye for this more than anyone else, like in our kind of like space on Twitter, that basically in the first half of at least two of these games, in the OKC game and the Utah game, it was book just do um, primary initiator stuff the whole time and see how the defense is moving to kind of get yourself and others in a rhythm, and we're not going to run as much of our sets necessarily. And to me, that goes into the camp of what you and I talked about again last week was try stuff. We are going to learn and learn through experience, and we are going to give you this really heavy three games and three and a half days workload so you get an accelerated learning course of sorts because even if campaign is back, we are going to see point book lineups still. Um, Aaron Holiday will bring up the ball some when he plays with him, assuming that is going to be the rotation going forward and campaign is starting. But even when campaign isn't, even when Aaron Holiday is, and Book is going to bring the ball up quite a bit. And so they need to get this part of their offense down a bit, and I think that's what they did in these games. And I went through some of the numbers. Um, Their pace in these three games, which is very, very low, and pace is not an arbitrary number that indicates how fast a team is playing overall, but it gives you a solid indicator of where they're leaning. The number is lower right now in, in these three games. The most positive number that I saw, Kevin, assist-to-turnover ratio is 2.03. On the season, they're at 2.08. You'll take that every day of the week, especially, I think I said it was 1.4 when campaign is on the court and Chris Paul is off Um, in in that kind of general space of Chris Paul isn't playing because, again, yes, campaign isn't playing right now, but Chris Paul isn't playing, basically, which is the main point, and we haven't seen that in one game this year. Their half-court offense numbers I looked at on cleaning the glass, like mid-tier. And um, again, this just depends on what you were expecting. Me and you were like, yeah, not bad. Like we, I, I don't know about you, but I, I, I would not have been surprised if they these three-game sample size was like bottom five, bottom ten in the league in a lot of numbers. That has not really been the case. The interesting part, Kevin, is that after the OKC game, it was like, oh man, look, like switching, deflections, they've got so much more size. That's going to help in a lot of areas, particularly with matchups and rebounding. And then they get murdered in second chance <laughs> points in back-to-back games. And I think that kind of just goes back to when you're trying a bunch of new stuff, you're going to lose the consistency that you built up in other areas. And I think that's what we're seeing right now. And I think that the defense is actually going to need a little bit of time to reacclimate as well. And I did not anticipate that personally. Yeah. I mean, to me, it's... The one play that stood out from the Utah game was, what was it, DA thought he got fouled, talked to the ref too long, didn't get back. And like that stood out as just like an un-Suns-like play, and I don't know if that's, you can point directly and say, if Chris Paul was in, they wouldn't be having those types of plays, and there are a couple other ones, but I I don't know, like four-point loss to Utah, which... Donovan Mitchell was playing really well. Fully healthy Utah. They weren't missing anyone. They've been playing really well lately. I failed to see, like, why... One, like, were they even favored by, like, Vegas? They were not favored. So, I don't know. I'm not hitting the panic button in any respects there. But, look... um, Were you more worried after the 1-3 and start or now? Probably the 1-3. and three start but even then i wasn't we weren't worried that's that's why i asked it's kind of the same that's what i'm saying i think i think it's the same but that was the unknown of how long is this going to take yeah that's what we talked about i was like this could take a like a two months dude i don't know yeah they're gonna figure it out but it might just take longer than we expected it didn't take long at all and this is the stage of again 
Are they going to figure that like on Wednesday? Is it going to look like they figured it out when campaign comes in? Like two, three games in, is it going to look like they figured it out, or are we going to be in mid March and we're still kind of waiting to see in a couple of weeks how how it looks and they're playing sort of five hundred ball? We we don't know how long it's going to be, but I'm not worried. That's why I, brought I think it up. I I know you didn't want to bring in the fan like overreaction, but I think there's. Like, you have to, like, section off, okay, I'm worried about them losing to the number one seed, which last week we did talk about was important. They have a huge buffer still. Um, Warriors have lost five of seven, I believe, is what Vince said on the radio this morning when I was with them. Okay. Yeah. I haven't paid. <laughs> yeah, no, me neither. Attention, because, like, yeah, it's, it's important to see where those other teams are at. I'm sure the Grizzlies are going to come on strong. but So if you're talking about worried about losing the one seed okay that's that's fair um but if you're talking about like people are in my mentions even this morning like well they need chris paul and it's like we we know that if we get to the first round of the playoffs and they have two losses in a row then yes then we can have this conversation but as things are expected to go with his injury which isn't supposed to be that bad um not expected to linger beyond a certain point then i i don't know I guess the the main sky is falling. Everything is burning around me. Help, fire, put it out. Um, mindset right now. The one thing that I can see is what if it's the opposite of what we were talking about where this is an opportunity for so many guys to get better and to get extended minutes and get more opportunities and become more. This is going to be a benefit. There's a really good chance this is a benefit for them in the end. What if some guys just lose their lose their rhythm without Chris? What if what if that happens? You you're you shook your head. I don't think that'll happen either. But I just watch again. Chris barely plays with Javale. He plays with him here and there. But watching Javale in the last couple of games, the last couple of weeks specifically, it's like oh man, they they need him to be good. Javale McGee yeah. right now, especially with the bench and where the bench is at right now without campaign. It's like look, Aaron Holiday was a great addition but it is unrealistic to assume that he is going to be pretty consistent yeah. just based on his track record and his career Tory craig was an inconsistent player last year he was an overall impactful player but he went through shooting stretches like this last year he yeah. is going to start hitting more threes just like when jay crowder is shooting 20 percent from three in his last 10 games someone tweets that set and i'm like yeah that's been a decade yeah it's been happening for a decade and he's still an incredibly valuable player. That's always been who he is. Landry Shamit has been on four teams in four years for maybe a reason. It appears so. It appears so. And and that's where I go like, okay. And and that goes back to, okay, well, is that a good thing that they completely learned during this process? So like, yeah, we can't even play Landry in the postseason. I, I don't know. Um, but I will say that during this process of figuring out how they're, how they're playing, not how they're playing, but just how it works, how it feels, all that kind of stuff. Do they lose some players along that process for, for a stretch? Like, do they do they lose form, to use a soccer term? Do you know what form means? Like, a player's form? Like, they're playing well, they're not playing. Yeah. I'm just making sure. It's a very general term, but yeah. I lose some people when I use the soccer lingo sometimes. So, anyway. I think it's soccer lingo. You want to talk expected goals and chance creation and all that stuff, but I got <laughs> I got days over here. So, I think 
that's where I guess I can see that from three games. Like, if you're looking at this and saying, like, oh man, like, what if JaVale or Cam Johnson, who hasn't, ah. Mikel Bridges, who hasn't, Jake Crowder, who hasn't, all those guys have been playing well. DeAndre's been playing. His defense hasn't been that good, but his offense has been better. Um, if those guys play worse over the stretch, does that impact them in the playoffs? I don't buy that at all, but I'm just trying to outline every single possibility here before well, we move on. Like you said, okay, Tori and Jay kind of go into like streaky categories no matter who they're with, no matter what's happening. Cam, I think Cam is a guy who's obviously doing a lot more, but he's not a guy... Like, have you ever just seen him, like last year he wasn't shooting well, but have you just seen him fall off a cliff where it's like, we can't play that guy? No. Um, I, I wouldn't be worried about that dude at all. But it's to your point of like consistencies, it's like Cam at this point in his career as a like a guy who gets to the rim, it's straight line drive still. Like, yeah. It's not, Mikel has like a little bit of wiggle, a little bit of shake, things like that. Cam's just like a straight line drive guy. So to your consistency point again, like he's in that group. Yeah. And I, I just think, I think to me... With the centers, that's been the biggest thing this three-game stretch where JaVale has really not been playable almost. And oftentimes it's like like Skylar Diggins-Smith on the, I think it was the OKC game, literally said I, they should try Biombo right now. They should have, yeah. And they went to Ish Wainwright instead, which is kind of the same idea where it was just like not happening. Um, so he needs to figure out what had that sauce cooking earlier in the year and People were also very upset about DA against the Jazz, but I like Hassan Whiteside is a big, strong dude. Rudy Gobert is Rudy Gobert. I'm not going to like make excuses for him, but I think he and Book fall in this category where they're doing a lot more on offense. And I'm not saying the defense falls off a cliff, but just naturally you're going to be more tired you're going to have that slippage where he's whining about a play call or a ref's non-call yeah and those little things are under the microscope and you don't have the full gas tank or a quarter of a gas tank you're running on empty late just because you're asked to do more on offense which they were both playing well so during the 16-3 run for the jazz that was basically the game in the last three minutes of the third quarter they hit three threes in a row i think and on the there was one for clarkson in semi-transition where Book was just kind of jogging back and didn't realize where Clarkson was, and that's a mistake he basically never makes anymore. But those are the kinds of things that could creep up during this stretch again, which is, again, like you don't want to have the bad habits, any bad habits start to come back here. Yeah, and there was another, I don't even remember when it was, it was like the first half where Book had one of those chase-down opportunities and he just pulled up because, like, it was was going to be a lay-in probably, but there's just... This measuring, as you do as an athlete, I'm sure, where like you're carrying a lot more than you normally do, and that shows up in a couple plays that make or break the game, maybe. But yeah, I don't know. I think the defense aspect is super interesting just without Chris because, again, I don't think he's a guy who's locking up one-on-one all the time, the greatest. Um, they do do a little bit to hide him, but... He's super important when it comes to weak side talking and all that stuff. And Cam just, Johnson basically said like he just calls out every play. Yeah, and that that Cheat helps. Code. Yeah, <laughs> that helps. It's not bad. <laughs> that helps a little bit. Uh, to close on like this discussion point, I think 
everything goes back to Booker for me and just not wearing him down. Yeah. So I am, again, for the like third straight episode of us talking about his minutes, giving them the benefit of the doubt here. But we're getting to the point where if we come out of this next full five games, so they have Wednesday, Friday at home, Portland and New York, and then they play... In Milwaukee, one thirty p.m. start. Like that's that's a really tough game. Uh, I'll have to look at Milwaukee's schedule and see where they're bouncing around to, if they have anything kind of unique going on. Because again, like you have an eight eight o'clock late start on ESPN Friday night against the Knicks in Phoenix. You fly to Milwaukee that night and then you get assimilated. But then again, you're playing like in the afternoon. It's kind of weird and and all that stuff. So Milwaukee is playing in Chicago, yeah. which is right by right by them on that Friday. Um, at 5.30, so they'll be getting back to, they'll both be flying back to Milwaukee that night, but I mean, Milwaukee will be home before the Suns game is even over, basically. So, to that point, and, and they're playing Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday, so they've got a, they've got like a nothing wearing them down too crazy, so that's going to be a really, really tough game, but then they fly Milwaukee to Florida, that's a deep flight. Um, Orlando, they play Miami and Orlando, and Miami's one of the best teams in the league, Orlando's terrible. For this, like, five games, Kevin, like, I'm cool with two and three. I'm going to say it. I'm cool with two and three. That's, that's an extremely unpopular thing to say, but you got two of the best teams in the league and then just win two of the other three. If you steal one from one of those other two teams, top team's great, but especially with the travel and what's going on, that's a tough – this is actually, like, actually a tougher part. Portland's kind of going through a million things right now. That's the game where like you you should use this as a bounce back opportunity. Come out with the same intensity you did against Utah and really get all over them. But to your point on Booker, after this five games, that is when I'll be like, okay, if we're doing the same thing we, we did in these first three games, enough. Please stop. So when they get back from Florida... If he is still playing 37 minutes or above with the workload that he has right now... Because he's going to be the point guard, but to what I was saying, he cannot be setting up like almost everything for everyone. And that is because everyone else is limited, I understand, but just give them the ball anyway, man. Like this is it's regular season, February, March basketball. It's okay. Um It's it's hard to say like the last two games, obviously better competition, but like the Thunder game I thought was really great where he was not forcing stuff he was just feeling it out let himself find a rhythm he, he looked like a bunch my anyway. mvp guy yeah. last podcast i said he's gonna win mvp yeah and he looked like my mvp guy and like i don't know i i just think that he can do that and play like playing like chris paul is conserving energy like chris paul conserves a lot of energy until the fourth quarter and i think that's something that he has to learn but also like like you said i think we both last week said they need to I don't remember what you said, but I said no book until the fourth quarter at point guard, and they obviously didn't listen to me. Monty didn't, which is because this is a good lineup. But I thought we were going to get Alfred right away. Yeah, for his for his workload. Yeah. So it's either they go back to Alfred, or you know, Aaron Holiday has gotten a few point guard reps where he's the guy bringing it up, initiating. So maybe they're going to throw him in the thing and just go at it. Um, or campaign comes back. So there there are options to get away from this. But, yeah, I agree with you. They have to. Um, are there any things, like, if you said, I want to see this, I'm thinking more bench unit stuff, but, like, I need to see this from the Suns to make me feel good about 
their playoff chances in the next week or so something change like JaVale find his form oh, Landry their, their, their playoff chances or just how they're gonna I think it's more relevant how they play in the next six weeks than their playoff chances I mean like do you need to see something soon sure for what do you pl- want to see out of the bench okay what I want to see in general is more DA stuff and okay. figuring out a way to still get him the ball when teams are tunneling on them again the feed the big fella crowd does not understand that when someone scores 17 first half points that means the other team is going to adjust and they are not going to allow him to get the ball but once the screen roll screen roll screen roll he did a really good job i want to go back and watch before i write about it tomorrow where he was like sliding into those 16 14 footers that he was finding mm-hmm. i love that i love him kind of being like a release valve right there like hey i'm right here they're gonna let me shoot this i'm really good at this shot lately rhythm, rhythm stuff yeah. i think mike v hill had it at like 64 percent for mid-range lately in the last 10 games or something very high that number might be off but to that point um is it a couple touches on the block a quarter again kev that's not devin booker having to spend 18 seconds trying to get someone else a shot for the love of everything i'm cool with it yeah let's get him on the block you want to shoot that three big fella instead of letting the dho go i love it let that thing loose i i I truly just care about one thing during this stretch after seeing it for three games and that is maintaining that man's legs because they're going to need it because they are still the finals favorites right now trailer threes trailer threes (laughs) jay crowder two dribble pull-ups like i love it everyone start letting it fly campaign take 20 shots a game when you come back please do that yeah please get into your mid-range bag that is fine by me that is what I want to see. Yeah. So it sounds crazy, Kev, but when JaVale was doing like his, t- there was one play, I think it was in the New Orleans game, <laughs> where there's like 12 seconds left on the shot clock and he's kind of facing the basket on the uh-huh. right wing at the three-point line. And Aaron Holiday is doing the, I'm going to swipe uh, like above you to get the dribble handoff. And JaVale was like, nah, no, 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 <laughs> this, is, this is my time. And that's where I'm like, yeah, sure. <laughs> I'm actually okay with it because again... That that's really all I'm saying, I, and I'm not saying they should let Javale do that all the time. But every now and then, like everyone should be more aggressive offensively, even if it is him. And I hate to say it, Kevin, the Javale McGee experience in all caps when he does that, it's actually not going horribly wrong all the time until we see that it's like a, he shoots like thirty percent or whatever on those looks, and maybe he might. And I'm just talking out of my butt right now, but I don't think I am. Like eyeball test wise, it's looked like those dribble attacks like he just took Rudy Gobert in the post yesterday and was like yeah I'm just gonna score on the three-time defensive player of the year I don't care I'm JaVale McGee so he is JaVale McGee that's what I want to see uh to your point I think you were alluding to this if they can find better ecosystems in terms of the defense that the other team is playing more holiday and Shamit running ball screen stuff because I think what's happening is both those guys are getting the ball and the defender's like, ooh, these guys have the ball now. Here I come. And it's like they play aggressive defense and sham it's like really struggling to even like get in the lane. Um, but if they find like the right sort of defenses that they're playing against and those guys can get more run in there, again, it all comes back to just his his workload was the only thing that I was concerned about. Booker's workload was the only thing I was concerned about uh, watching this because – I watched that man have to carry an offense on his back for two games in uh, for a game in Milwaukee and then a game here and then everything 
was gone after he was the last guy who really had anything left in his tank. And it's like, if he doesn't even have anything left in his tank by then, and this is like the kind of stretch, if you do this over six weeks, where I worry about that becoming a possibility, um, which is where I should clarify and end like our talking point on this, is that what I'm saying is I don't think he's going to run out of gas at the end of the postseason right now. But if this goes on for another three, four, five, six weeks, we have to start talking about that as a possibility. We're having the talk before the talk. Warriors uh, going that deep against the Raptors that season when they won all the games. Uh, I, the injury thing, I think, is not a coincidence. Like your body's run down, even if you don't have injuries. Like that. Cavs only were seventy three and nine. Yeah, I mean. Lost oh, three straight. That was the different year. Uh, well, it my was. Brain. It, yeah, it's all right. I mean, that was the KD year, and it was the same kind of thing where it's like they that were was connected to that year. The regular season hunt. Yeah. Of winning Matters. 65 plus can wear you down. Warriors are six games out right now. Memphis is seven and a half out. Uh, Utah, ten and a half out. And all of a sudden, the Dallas Mavericks, 36 and 25. Denver Nuggets, 36 and 25. From like a record perspective, there's a pretty clear drop off there. And then Minnesota, 32 and 29. Nuggets might get some guys back. Who? Michael Porter Jr. Right. Yeah, that guy. So I, I wanted to bring that up in the standings before we move on because Utah, we just saw. They're going to be somewhere around 15 to 20 games over 500, maybe more. Memphis, we'll kind of see how it goes for them in the in the closing stretch of the year. They've had a really impressive year. Do they hold top three? Do they push even further for two? Do they get better? We'll see. Dallas, Spencer didn't win 20 points in back-to-back games, Kevin, since uh, arriving at the trade deadline. We'll see if that's just a little Tyson Chandler on the Lakers action there where you get <laughs> excited for two games and then it turns out to be nothing. Um, but... I think that I, I said on the radio at the time, I thought they were going to, I, I might have said on here too, I think they're just going to be better without Porzingis anyway. Like they could have gotten nothing back and I would have said that was a win for them. I'm being 100% honest. They got two bad contracts for one. And Correct. they're playable contracts and guys who do the same thing. But they are also guys where like if you just have to bench them outright, you can bench them outright. So oh, like yeah. Porzingis where you have to play him and feel obliged. I could feel Rick Carlisle forcing him on the court in that Clippers series I could <laughs> feel it that he was out there like remember the small like you, the small ball Clippers of course they played against him he was out there as like the five it's like what is he doing out here put Kleba in there or put Dorian Finney-Smith at the five like what are you doing he makes a lot of money that's makes, why he makes a lot of money that's why uh Denver like you said maybe getting Michael Porter Jr. back we don't have Jamal Murray updates yet I don't think nothing's coming we don't think we don't think. I don't know. Did I see something? I don't remember. Have they officially said he's out for the year yet? Is, no, they is haven't. I don't think. So that is why I remain where I'm at. Because if Michael Porter Jr. is back and then Jamal Murray is like back for round two of the playoffs or something, then oh boy. Yeah. Uh, because before the season started, when I said the Suns were going to be the best team in the West and everyone freaked out about it, because that's when I saw the Russell Westbrook trade and I was like, oh, nope. Not, Not going to be the Lakers. Not, Not going to be them. Team. Um. I had Denver in like their own tier with the Suns at the top because I thought them fully healthy by the end of the year if the chance Murray's back. They're a huge threat. Clippers, you tweeted out the Paul George quote the other day. Not looking great. Kawhi doesn't sound good either. So that's it from a threat perspective. But I think my main point is if Dallas, keep an eye on Dallas and Denver in the next two months because we went from, in my opinion, we went from 
second round kind of being like the second round it's going to be a difficult series but one they should win 95 times out of 100 yeah to 70 80 times out of 100 maybe if if dallas denver or utah really figures it out particularly denver is the team to be worried about because i know deandre dominated Jokic in one series but and we saw that sort of already but they're a really good team they're a very very good team all right we're gonna do it right now we've been teasing it for weeks <laughs> we're talking arizona wildcat soup because we love arizona wildcat soup and if you don't want to listen anymore the sun's content is over off. This is just where we don't have a U of A content form to speak on, a, a piece of content, a podcast, a radio interview, what have you. So we're going to do it now. We're going to talk about the team heading into March. And if you don't want to listen, holy smokes, you do not want to <laughs> listen. That's fine. Uh, we do not judge you. But if you're hanging around because you're a U of A fan or you're curious or you just want to keep hearing us, here we are and we're here. How are we feeling, bud? 25-3, and three, number two in the country. The background here for new listeners or people who haven't been like paying attention while we make references to this or talk about it every now and then, we're both alums. We were both in the student section when we went there. You covered the team. I was on Ooh. academic probation after a, se- <laughs> after a semester in the journalism program, and they kick you out of that school if you go on academic probation, bud. So no, no, covering, no covering the Wildcats for me. Yeah, tough go. I was not a very good student shocking I know. <laughs> uh they're 25 and 3 bud they have i tweeted like two months ago that like this has a chance to be the best arizona team that i've ever seen that counts like beyond the age of 10 i hate sports fans who are like yeah i loved like the 96 yankees like you were six years old man come on like i can't i sit love here and... the like oh two oh three sons yeah because you're how old Marbury. you I'm 32, going on 33. Exactly, so you, you, almost you, 33. You got a year and you got a year and a half, almost two years on me. So that's fair for you to say, like yeah. you were old enough by then. Like I was seven. I was born 90, so it's easy. So seven, eh? Like 11 for the 01 team, eh? Maybe. Yeah. I remember hating Illinois. Remember oh, yeah. that? Channing Fry, Salim Stoudemire, all that stuff. So I don't know if they're there yet, and I think my main, I, I don't know. Do, do you think is the Final Four team? My whole thing is I don't know who's better, and that's why teams at the top keep losing. So I think they can go all the way, yes. So the main pitch is that everything we look for, Kevin, in a college basketball team, we're a dribble guy podcast, first and foremost. We just want guys who can dribble. They got some dribble guys. Uh, Kirk Reese is a dribble guy. Benedict Matherin, you have two guys who can be primary initiators pretty much at any point. And then I think the the key and X factor of this team, their best player, in my opinion, Ooh. is 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 Tubelis. I oh. Th- I think that he's their best player. Oh, yeah. Maybe. And I think that when he is going, they are the team that is going to win the championship. But he has been too inconsistent this year. Um, since his injury, since his ankle injury a bit ago. But he's the guy like they get the ball to in the high post or he gets it in the dribble handoff. He keeps it and he does two, three dribbles. And it's like, oh, like yes, this is no one can guard this. This is impossible. Smooth, to guard. power forward, playmaker guy. Correct. Uh, so they have three dribble guys. Uh, and then in terms of like defensively, athleticism wise, matchup wise, Dalen Terry, Matherin. Matherin's like not that great of a defender for what the tools that he has. Dalen Terry. Dalen Terry's great. Uh, and then they have Kyer and Larson off the bench in terms of more like size and just toughness and, and all that kind of stuff. And then Kreisa is a pain in the butt uh, for like a point guard. He is the erratic, boisterous, Estonian, 
who what was the comp? He's basically like every Duke point guard, but Estonian. Whatever, if you want to say like John that, Shire. Yeah, Greg Paulus. Yes, he's Greg Paulus. That's Except he one. doesn't go on to play quarterback at Syracuse. Do you remember Marshall Henderson from Ole Miss? Oh, could I ever forget he's that man? Like probably that as yeah. far as other teams dislike for him. We'll but. get to him in a second because I okay. think he comes up in terms of the hesitations on the team. Oh, yes. Yes, 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 <laughs> yes, yes. Depth. They've got those guys that we mm. mentioned. So it's like it's it's I, I think I this is where I should have started. Like it's probably the best. I doubt there's a better starting five in college basketball. Right. Creesa, Matherin, Terry, Tubelis, Coloco. I truly believe I don't know how, know how great the Pac-12 is overall in terms of like how many great players are there in the bottom half of the conference, but there's a case all five of those guys should make the all-conference team. Maybe not Terry, but in Creesa, Coloco, Tubelis, Mather, and at least those top three should make all-conference. Agreed, yeah. They're stacked. And then behind that, Kyer is a capable second-point guard. He's fine. In the, Can shoot, in, run stuff, yeah. In the Jordan Mays zone, he's a little bit more consistent. Yeah. But I oh, like him. The Jordan Mays zone. Wow. Better than Elliot Pitts, Kev, I will say. Better oh, yeah. than Elliot Pitts. Look yes, at, sir. Oh, yeah. See, we're knowledgeable Cats fans. We know what we're talking about, Oof. baby. Spelled from the team from... Oh, we won't get into yeah, that. Yeah, we won't get to that. Poor guy. Uh, I like Pele Larson. He yes. He is very underrated. In that game that they lost against Colorado recently, their stinker, he was the one guy who was like, hey, guys, is anyone going to do... No? Okay, I'll do it. That's fine. Can shoot, play defense, better athlete than you think. Super tough. Yes. Really tough. Important for the depth that they don't have. Continue. And then at center, uh, they still have seven guys. Uh, so they have seven <laughs> guys on their team. They have really, really Sometimes good. Sometimes they have two centers that they play. They have a really good front seven. And then to the point on that, I think the only to like go to reservations, like three-point shooting is obviously one. Matherin shooting 38%. Uh, two Bellis, who should be a stretch five, stretch four guy, 22%. Ooh. Yoikes. Uh, Creesa up to 35, but that might as well be a question mark because it's just put a question mark for it's a three point 10 or 50. I yeah. yeah, I don't know. Or- Dale and Terry 32 is is disappointing to see. And then Larson 35, Kyer 32. It's like one of those guys not being at least one of those guys not being like 38, 39 with Matherin right. is oh. is problematic. Yeah. Um, and then lastly, Kevin, they've got size. Christian Coloco proved in that Illinois game against Co- Coburn that he can guard pretty much anyone. Like that was the, that was a prototype. Skilled, 6'10", beefy boy who can move his way around and Coloco just locked him For up. For my prison. Michigan fans, he locked up what's his name? Hutchinson. Yeah. And then he went maximum security. Coburn. Pr- so sentence for both of those lads. Yeah, my my Coloco going to be better than uh what was it? Nico Mannion, Josh Green, all those NBA players. It's still online. Um, and then Umar Balo is a very large man. Uh, I'll give him that. He, he's oh. he's a humongous human being. So in terms of another team having more size than them, Tommy Lloyd's been playing them together in stretches. I personally Where absolutely... You have literally two shooters on the... I personally despise it, but if they play a super-duper big team that's getting offensive rebounds or whatever because Tubelis isn't doing stuff, then yeah, you can just go big and you've done it in the regular season... That is my case for why they will make the Final Four. To your question, I just think they've got a lot going for them. Is shooting the main hesitation for you? And if one person gets hurt, they're in trouble. If one person gets hurt, they're screwed. Um, They would need to play six guys, and they would all need to play an extended amount of minutes. Uh, I think Bala sucks. Uh, He has been better this year. I just think he's bad. Um, 
Kirill Nadiatsko, Caleb Tarzuski vibes in terms of the way that he handles the ball, in terms of the way he's like, I'm going to score now. Here we go. Dribble, dribble. I'm still in the same. Shoot it. I'll and give him. He's gotten happens. skinnier throughout the year. And he's working. The regular oh, season. So the thing about we'll those, see. the thing about those two guys and him, which I'm going to say is they work extremely hard. They know where to be defensively. And they do like the big man thing well in terms of like getting offensive rebounds, finishing within four feet for Balo. Like he's got to be right yes. there, there to score. I can just say that he might get minutes and then blow up against a team in the first two rounds of the tournament and be like a big deal or find footing or something where you can play him. Anyway, the thing with him is he's got to get a deep seal and he's gotta like be against a smaller guy if he doesn't or else he just dribbles for three times doesn't get anywhere and then forces it up and hopefully draws a foul anyway Mathurin's a really fun nba prospect possibly a top 10 pick top 15 can shoot it great athlete needs to play defense more consistently you gotta watch christian coloco people the longest man who just floats across the floor love it you have to go. You ready for me to be crazy? No, go for it. We have not seen a college prospect that's more like Rudy Gobert. Oh. Since Christian Coloco. I am not saying that he is the next Rudy Gobert, but I'm saying in terms of a freakishly long person. I know the measurables aren't on Gobert. No one has Gobert measurables, but the amount of ground that he covers. It's basically trading a little bit of Gobert's length and strength for quickness. Coloco's a little bit quicker. He is right Lighter. on the like right on the borderline of like can he move against NBA screen actions? Probably, yeah. And then you get him in strength and conditioning with the NBA and it'll work out, I think. Mm-hmm. Um but the way that he swallows stuff at the rim is like that is not just like I'm a seven foot guy in college and that's what happens for me. It's like, no, he is a ne- another three levels higher in terms of how enormous he is and, and how he is as a shot blocker. And Gobert is like, the thing about Gobert is he's so large that everyone talks about that. It's like he's so smart as a defender, too. So I'm not going there, but I'm saying like from a physical, physical perspective and just how they block shots and protect the rim, I'm like, oh, Hashim's this is. The beat was up there, but he's. Like that was a big since whoopsie. Gobert came into the league is what I'm saying. Yeah, I don't even know the timelines here. No one, no one kind of came. Like even Mo Bamba wasn't like that to me. No, he was more like raw. Coloco's like seasoned by now. That's the thing. Better NBA prospect Mo Bamba or Christian Coloco. <laughs> I'm kidding. It it was Bamba based on his upside 100. But uh, Coloco's great. Uh, the the face that I made is that as we were talking about that for the Suns fans still listening, uh, <laughs> Sham Sharania tweeted that there is optimism that Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. will be back by the start of the yeah. playoffs. So okay. here we go. We'll t- we'll talk more about that uh, next week. But uh, Cats talk. Thank you for joining Cats. Danny talk on- Danny. Danny's theory, Danny Shapiro's theory, he's <laughs> listening, um, is that this team is going to have one game where they're going to be... The, so my thing, the NCAA tournament is so simple to me, Kevin. It always goes the same for like every single team. And every single team that wins a championship or makes the Final Four has that one game, usually in the second round, maybe in the Sweet 16, where it's super duper close. Maybe it's eight minutes left, maybe it's four minutes left, maybe it's two minutes left. It's like, all right, however you play over the next two or three minutes, we'll decide if you're in this tournament or not. And Danny's theory is that when that game comes for Arizona, they are not going to hit shots. They are not. They are not going to be able to just score. Essentially, 
I believe that's his theory, and that he, his theory is basically when they hit that game, they're going to lose. Kirk Kreese is the point guard who's the most erratic person who was chasing a triple-double the other day and yelled a bad curse word in the hot mic because his teammate made a basket, which was incredible uh, entertainment. Continue, but... I If I had, like, drywall handy around my house at the time that Momo Jones was the point guard of Arizona, I would have headbutted it about 14 times. Okay. But he played the game of his life against Duke in the tournament, and I will love him forever for that. He's one of the greatest U of A point guards of all time. Because of it, I will not hear otherwise. Kreese is kind of the same way, where it's like he is going to have one incredibly erratic game and probably more in the tournament if he has a really really good one <laughs> it's going to probably get them to the final four or win them a title if he has a really really bad one it's probably going to knock them out of the title and uh, out of the tournament unless someone else steps up um experience is the only other thing and that's danny's point is that this team just doesn't have a lot of experience they've been together uh, for a little bit but they're not like it's not like the four seniors team that you see that you love and like i know those don't really exist as much anymore um, but I think this team has been together a lot longer than people give them credit for, which is why you're kind of going, eh, to that. Hey, I just am happy to watch a basketball team play in their conference tournament, let alone the NCAA tournament. Didn't happen last year for, you know, can't break rules, Kellen. We, we, we love rules. and, and We like just... following. <laughs> we're, we're about following rules. All right. You've got to uphold them. Who is going to be the guy who... I think the obvious thing that's going to happen for them is one of these guys is going to have an awesome tournament. Who's it going to be? Who's your pick? Like a random person? Just their their eight person? their eight guys who play. Like they have eight guys who are going to play. It's not going to be Kim Aiken Jr. <laughs> oh, he, he's gone now. Yeah, yeah. Who, who are going to be the eight guys who uh, out of the eight guys who's going to have an awesome tournament? Because someone is going to. I want to say Terry. I want to say Terry does stuff and he's like their glue guy. Can. Play D, push it in transition, mind. make plays. Not a great shooter, but is getting a little better. He is Phoenix in the right? Hassan yeah. Adams, Kevin Parham uh, Hall guy. of Fame yeah. where he's been in the school for a little. He's going to stick around for the school for a while. He's the toughest guy on the team. He is the guy whenever there's a kerfuffle, he's the first one there. Not Kirk Risa, who's a psychopath. It's actually <laughs> Terry. And that was the thing watching them like five games in, I was like, oh, where's their toughness besides the psycho? And then te- I was like, oh, Dale and Terry, it's you. Hello. Yeah. And then Matherin's super tough. It's a really, really tough team. I think Terry. And then I also think uh, Tubelis. Yeah. I think Tubelis could have like a, pl- a player of the tournament. Tubelis also could sneak into the NBA radar a year or two from now, I think. I think he's already kind of in there. And then yeah. the tournament would be one of those things where like he could be on the first round bubble for yeah. sure. Yeah, I love it. I love watching this team. We had to talk about them on the podcast. We'll talk it's about like the Suns. More fun, good basketball, passing, sharing. Cats emotions. talk will be back whether you like it or not when the tournament gets going. We're going to talk about it. But yeah, we wanted to for a while. Now we've been teasing it. So uh, there, that was only for me and Kevin, by the way. I hope there's someone listening still who like <laughs> loved this as a Cats fan. Who's Do a you Suns have to fan, go on the radio right now? In like three minutes. Oh, God. Okay, we'll go now. Bye. <laughs>